So we're going to be doing something uh, right now, very different, which is that, uh, you know, Josh and I are actually going to be having a little conversation w- with you here, and uh, we planned, the worship planning team planned this worship Sunday a long time ago, well, not a real long time ago, but we um, had the idea for a worship Sunday uh, a month or so ago, and um, then and we and the theme of dependence was really the theme we were working on and then we had this benchmark out there for the building project you know uh that we were supposed to raise 100 we were trying to raise $100,000 by Christmas and we didn't quite make it we fell just short we had 92,500 something like that so we were seven and a half grand short of 100,000 by Christmas and so that meant we had to go into discernment as a church board as far as like what's the next step now because we didn't quite make the benchmark that we put out there but we were really close and so we had the board meeting on Wednesday night um, where we were going to talk about that we discussed it decided what we were going to do and the church board actually asked Josh and I to respond as far as what the what the thinking was of the church board what the decisions were that were made and uh, when we realized the, the questions that we had to wrestle with and what that was speaking to, we realized just how related that was to the topic of the day of dependence on God. So we decided to put right in the mi- middle of this uh, worship Sunday kind of the discussion that we had with the church board to say, to, to say as a church, this idea of dependence, how are we wrestling with this personally or not, uh, corporately together? How are we wrestling with this idea of dependence? And so uh, the initial, just to give you the initial feedback from the church board is we had three options. We could either stop the project because we didn't make the 100000 by Christmas, or we could just go ahead um, and say that was close enough, or, um, you know, we could wait and discern a little more. And the church board decided that we were going to push pause for a minute on this building project and take time to, to step back and see what God may be revealing to us and what he's doing in us. So that's what we did. We pushed pause. The elder, the elder board is going to be um, looking at uh, kind of setting a timeline as far as when we're going to re-engage the project um, and when we're going to pick that back up. But we needed to t- some time to process. So uh, what we're going to do at this point is we're going to take the questions that uh, we kind of wrestled with and we're going to walk you through them and, and talk to you a little bit about uh, what we sensed God revealing to us as a congregation in the middle of that. Yeah, so we have three questions we're going to walk through. Both of us will kind of take a shot at them. Uh, one, one, the first one was, what is the $92,500 or so that was raised? Let us know about what God is doing and where we're at as a church. And, uh, you know, Dave Willauer, who is on staff now, he, he said in our, well, let me say, Dave's a principal. Does everybody know that? Or he was. He's a retired principal, which makes me a little bit afraid of him. Um, it, it just always, I have this feeling like, you know, eh. yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And he, and he always puts red marks on my paper still. But anyway, he was saying in the church board meeting, he said, you know, uh, 93% is an A at Royers Ford Elementary. Um, 93%. And we got 92.5. So he said, A minus, you know? A minus. Now, depending on where you come from academically, and I'm not going to ask, that might be pretty good, or that might not be that good. Uh, (laughs) For me, I think we asked God for a great deal. This was a very large proposal. 
to have $100,000 come in by Christmas of 2011 was really going to be something that took a lot of faith. And we really were expecting a lot. And we, that was part of the point. We wanted to go beyond where we've been as a church. And we wanted to see God move in larger ways than we've seen him. And this was an A- minus effort is what Dave said. And I'm just going to quote him and say, that's really good. You know, when I was in seminary, believe it or not, I got good grades. Uh, I did all right in seminary, and I did really well until I got to this class called Intro to Hebrew. And so I'd get A's, and I'd be like, you know, that's cool. Uh, I get A's a lot. And then when I got to Hebrew, I remember getting my report card, and when I got an A- minus in my first Hebrew class, I was so excited. I had prayed my way through this class. you got to read from right to left to read Hebrew. I, it was terrifying. It was terrible. And, and that A- minus meant a lot to me. So I think one of the things we have to think is, you know, God has called us to a lot, but he, he's done a lot in our church. This 92.5%, this $92,500 roughly, really is just God in one way saying, wow, we've come a long way. And so we need to really praise God. We just really need to be thankful uh, for what he's doing in us as a congregation. When, I was, when we got the news of where we were at financially, Shelby and I were in Michigan. It was just after Christmas, and Pam Havrilla, our church treasurer, uh, texted me the information, and I was looking at it, and my instant reaction wasn't, oh, man, we didn't make it. It was, wow, praise God at how far he's brought us. And so I want you to hear me say that. That was my instant visceral reaction, you know, that, that knee-jerk deal that you have when you get some piece of news. God has really been doing great work at Parker Ford Church, and I think we really need to be thankful for that. Yeah, and the only thing I have to add to that is that, uh, you know, right at the end, it really started to pick up steam, too. You know, we, uh, on Christmas Day, I loved having church on Christmas Day um, here. It was awesome to be able to celebrate together on Christmas. Those of you who were here, it was a cool day. Um, and, you know, going into that service, and we were at like 75,000, I think, something like that. Is that right? So Around 75,000. Um, so we, had a lo- we were only three quarters of the way there, and it, this was the last day. And we got to 92. You know, it was a huge jump in one day. And, and the momentum started picking up toward the end. And I was getting really excited about that because you could see people taking ownership and really getting involved in that. And that's a really exciting thing. That's, so I, I know that uh, just to see that much at the end was a really, really exciting. On the other hand, we didn't, we didn't get there. Right. And so what do you do with that? And that was the real question for the church board. So the question we wrestle with is not only what does it mean that we got this, you know, great support in, but what does it mean that we didn't achieve what it is that we put out there as a as a benchmark, kind of as accounting the cost? There was a reason why we put the number and the timeline that we did. This was what it would take for us to keep up pace. We would have to give like that all the way through the project in order to achieve what it is we were trying to accomplish. So this wasn't just a quick push to front end load the, the account. This was like to see, can we keep pace, you know? And, uh, and so w- what happened was, and I, you need, when we're trying to listen and discern with God, you know, what does it mean that we fell short? You have to, we have to look not just at what happened by us falling short, but you have to kind of watch what has God been doing throughout this process. You can't understand the New Testament fully until you've read the Old Testament, you know? And you can't understand what God's doing in a moment when we come up 7,500 short of 100,000 until you understand everything that's before it. And I, we don't have time to, to exp, you know, rehash everything that's happened, but to give a quick summary, when this church was built, many of you know, and some of you were here, there was, this land was handed to the church 
and the church was not in a big growth spurt or anything like that. It was not, a, a, it didn't make the most sense to go and build a new building. But, the, but there was a real sense in the church that God was calling the church to build this building. And so the church decided to step out in faith and build the building, which was awesome. There was also this sense, if God's calling us to this, there's a work that he's working on with us reaching the community around us. And so the church was designed not only with this phase that we're in now, but with a number of other phases that come after it with anticipation that God was going to grow and move beyond uh, what, you know, the initial building was, the, the need for in the initial building. So... Uh, after uh, a few years later, you know, for the last couple of years, we've seen significant growth. We've seen grow, growth in programming. We've seen growth in the number of people here. We've seen growth in the budget. We've seen growth in, on a lot of different levels. And the question started to arise, especially as Christian education space and Sunday school space and uh, those types of things really started to get cramped. The question came up, is it time to start in phase two? Personally, I was really resistant to that because the idea of doing building projects is not something that I'm really into. I, you know, it, it feels like it can get distracting and all of that. So what, what I prayed was, hey, God, if you want us to build a project, let us know. Otherwise, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. You know, that's where I was at. Someone challenged me and said, hey, I see this biblical pattern that God reveals to leadership what he wants to do in a community. So I just want to ask you, have you asked God point blank if we should build this or not? And I was like, no, I've just, I, I've said, you know, if you want to let me know, let me know otherwise. Um, in other words, we got this figured out. If you want to disrupt that, let me know, you know. Um, and so that night I said, I said, okay, I'll ask. So that night before I went to bed, I said, God, do you want us to build? Um, whatever you say, I'm, I'm willing, I'm all ears. I'm not sure how you'd communicate that to me right now, but I'm listening, you know. Do you want us to build or not? Went to sleep that night didn't have any crazy dreams or anything like that. Woke up the next morning and uh, went downstairs and grabbed my Bible uh, along with Jen, like we always do, sat next to each other and we're reading the word in the morning. And what I read, what my reading of the day was, was is on Isaiah 54 and I was in verse 2. And why don't you put this up here? This is what I read. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Isaiah 54, 2 to 3. Okay, so that's what I read that morning. So this is my response. This is my initial response was, huh, I wonder what he's actually trying to say. Because I was like, maybe he's trying to say that we should like do it. You know, and I was really trying not to hear build. You know, and then I realized like, oh man, like I asked him point blank. Like if I just take this, you know, and I, he was writing to the Israelites thousands of years ago. He's not writing this to Tim or to Park Ford. You know, and, but I went and I told the person. They said, did you ask God? I said, yeah. And they said, what did he say? And I'm like, well, I'll tell you what I read. And I read it. And they were like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That's so direct and clear. Like, okay, let's move forward. And I was like, oh. So um, we, we started as a church. We went through a whole process. And many of you remember, we had 24-hour prayer vigil here. Some of it, we had a, a station set up here about the new building project and praying over that. There, we asked for prayer and fasting. The elders did a lot of fasting. There was a number of things that happened. Josh shared about his experience with pieces of the wall falling out when we were praying about whether or not to move forward. You heard Nancy talk about the financial value of investing into a church. And because Nancy, as our moderator, you know, she's a person who really 
really cares about poverty, cares about social justice. And so the natural question is, is it smart to spend our money this way? And then she goes and reads a pa the paper about the fiscal value of a church to a community as far as what it provides in these sort of services. And it was like, that is a great investment of money if we use it appropriately. And consistently, these things revealed, like, yes, God's guiding us this way. We're, we're getting to a place where we're like, he's saying it's a good idea. You know, we had a congregational meeting in June, I think it was. Biggest congregational meeting we've ever had. Special, special business meeting. Tons of people here. It was awesome. A lot, of, a lot of movement around it. There were some real questions. People were asking, are we, can we pull this off? You know, like, okay, God seems to be leading this way, but can we pull it off? Are we there yet? All of that. A couple months later, we have the, the, the vote. We have to take the vote. Got a unanimous vote from the congregation to move forward with this thing, which is unheard of. And, and the architect, what did the, Dave, what did the architect say? Never heard of it. Never heard of a congregation making a unanimous vote for that. So we were like, Okay, here we go. Now, here was the problem. So this brings us back. All of that was the context. Here was the issue. Was that at that last vote, it was a very small congregational business meeting, that second congregational business meeting. And we're like, we've got a unanimous vote, but there weren't many people here. Was that indicative of something? You know, Because we've got to make sure that not only are we discerning what God's telling us to do, but that we actually are going to invest in what God's calling us to do. Because just because God said it's a good idea doesn't mean God's going to pick up the slack where we drop the slack, right? And so there was a real question of, are we ready for this? And so I think the funding and finance team, I believe, wisely uh, set up a benchmark and said, this is the, this is the kind of giving it's going to take for us to keep up, you know, with what God's calling us to. Can we do that? And we're not saying that God won't help and provide and all of that, and it's all on us. But what we are saying is, is that we need to know that we're actually in this together, and we're not just saying, yeah, go get them, God. Because God didn't promise to build it for us. What he said was, basically, he, he, he inclined that, yeah, it's a good idea. Go for it. And so that was the whole point of this, uh, you know, raise 100000 by Christmas. We fell short. What do we learn in this moment? What does it say? What is God communicating? And I, this is the picture I get. You remember when Peter is in the boat and Jesus is walking across the water? And, and he says, if it's really you, God, call me out onto the water. So what does Jesus say? Come. It's a good idea. Good thinking. That's, that would be great. Come on. And so what does Peter do? He gets out of the boat. And what happens when his feet touch the water? He walks on water. It's like cement or something. I don't know what it would have been like, but he's, and it's, it's like, it's crazy, you know? It's, and it wasn't a calm, there, we see that there was wind and waves and everything, and he's walking on the water toward Jesus. And then what happens? He sees the wind. We're told, I don't know how you see wind, but he sees the wind, and, and he sees the waves, and he sees the turmoil. He sees the difficult economy, and he sees the downturn, and he sees all of that. No, that's what we saw. And, and all of a sudden, faith begins to slip a little bit, right? And it's like, God called me. God said this was cool. Come out to me. He called me to him. And we step out, and there's faith, and we're walking on water. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know. And Peter starts to slip. And Jesus, of course, he's, he's so gracious, and he's so kind. He reaches out, and he grabs him by the hand, and he pulls him up. And I always picture him kind of like patting him on the tail side and say, hop in the boat, ye of little faith, you know? Uh, yeah, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And why does he say that? Because what he's saying is, is he's like, I, I was here with you. I told you it was a good idea. All you had to do was trust me, you know? And you were doing so good. Think about it. Peter walked on water, you know? <laughs> we were talking about this in the, in the board meeting, and Josh said, 
yeah, there's only one other person in the history of the earth who walked on water, and that was God, you know? And uh, yeah, so like Peter did great. He had faith, and he walked on water. However, if he was going to accomplish the full thing, then he needed to have consistent full faith, and he didn't. He had little faith. And in the same way God called us to something, which Josh just said, it's audacious. Raise $100,000 by Christmas and then keep that up until 2013. That's audacious. But God said, go for it. And we all sensed that God said, go for it. And so we stepped out and we got an A- minus in our faith, you know. (laughs) But on the other hand, we still have to listen to the fact that we didn't match up with it. And I believe that what this is is a mirror where God's saying, I call you to this, but this thing, it's not like that means that I'm going to take care of it all. It means that you actually have to invest and you have to be in. And God will supernaturally provide for us in the same way that he did during the first building project. But what God doesn't usually do is just pay the check for us. He needs to know that we're in because otherwise he's just spoiling his kids and he's not teaching us responsibility. He's not teaching us faith. This is when we have to say, what is faith? Is faith meaning that when God says do something, I can say, all right, God, go ahead, do it. I'll kick back and believe that you're going to get it done. Or does it mean that I believe what he says, that it's not for a man to direct his own steps, that life is not my own. So therefore, if he says this is what I'm supposed to do, then I'm all in. And that means my life is about getting done the thing that he said to do. One of the concerns that was raised in that initial project or in the initial meeting, Harry said something really really good. He was sitting right over here, I remember it, and he said, uh, there was this guy who, and I I don't know, it was in South America somewhere, right, I believe? You don't remember? All right, it was like in South America, there was this guy, we don't, none of us remember the details, but it's not the point. Um, Yeah, yeah, it doesn't even matter if it's true, the point's the, uh, this is the story, is there was a guy who was, he was down in, I believe it was South America somewhere, and there was, he sees this man behind a plow, and he's behind the plow, but on the front of the plow is not an ox. On the front of the plow is family members who were pulling the plow. And the person who was like being uh, given the, uh, the, the tour here of the lay of the land looks over at the person they're with and says, like, what in the world? What's that about? And they said, oh, well, you see this building over here. And they pointed a building, and there's this little shack of a building. And they said, that building is their new church. And they couldn't afford to build the new church, so they sold their ox so that they could build the new church. So now they're pulling, and the person was like, oh, that's terrible. You know, no, actually, the farmer was really glad that he had an ox that he could sell in order to build the church. And Harry said, it might be great that God's calling us to this, but are we willing to follow God where he's calling us? And that's about maturity. And like we said in the beginning, maturity is not about independence. Maturity is about dependence, learning to trust God on levels that are audacious, you know? We were trusting God. We invested $92,000 by Christmas or whatever. But the audacious nature of God is things that are far beyond us that take massive sacrifice in order to see the fullness of what God can do. And so we had to stop as a church board and say, you know what? It was good. It was faith. God's called us to this. He called us. We're going to get this. God's going to do this. It's going to happen. But we need to stop for a second and recognize this is a mirror that was held up that we just sank in the water a little bit. And he put us back in the boat. And he's going to continue to grow our faith. And this is going to come back around, you know? And it's going to work. So we're pushing pause for a minute and making sure that we're focusing on what needs to focus, that, that he grows us, you know? And so that's, where we, that's why we decided this is a moment for us to push pause and say, we need to wait a little bit. We're not quite 
at the place of faith where we need to be to build this thing. You know, we're not quite there yet, but it's good. We're moving toward it. You know, churches are, they're not a bunch of individuals. They're, they're organisms. We're all attached. We're all connected. The Apostle Paul gives the metaphor of a body. We're all part of a single body with, with parts playing different roles. And it's really, really significant with each part. Even the ones that he, Paul in the New Testament calls unmentionable parts. We'll let your imagination do what it will with that one. No. Um, no. You know, those parts are actually as important as the parts that are mentionable, the parts we know about in the body of Christ. And, you know, leave it to the Bible to go where we won't. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we are an organism. We are a, a, a single uh, community. And God has put us together. And so this mirror that was held up in front of our faces, we really think it says something that's not altogether bad. But what it does say is we're a little immature. And what I don't mean to say is that you specifically are immature. I mean that we're immature. We haven't grown as connected, as synergetically related to each other, as aware of each other's concerns and problems and and needs as we probably uh, need to be. And so this is a moment when we say pause that we're saying, okay, God is putting things together in a new way. And we're really excited by that, and we see better stuff coming. Our third question was, what are next steps that we need to take as a church moving forward to honor what God is doing? And uh, I called Judy Stauffer. Many of you might not know Judy. She's in our first service. But Judy, uh, we were talking on the phone about some health concerns she had this week. And she said, you know, hey, I I want you to know I I did that whole New Year's Eve thing. I had some folks over. And some of them are new to Parker Ford. And then some of them are deacons at Parker Ford. We have people who have been here a while mixing with people who are new. And we were getting connected. And we did this little Bible study and everything. And I I was so blessed. Because it says that the pieces of our organism, the pieces of our body, are starting to come into contact with each other. And when those pieces come into connection, when they live in right relationship with each other, more faith is more possible. And I really believe that. You know, I I didn't say this in first service, but we had a sense that from the moment we had that first uh, business meeting this past summer, there was a lot of attack, a lot of difficulty in our church, just little nickels and dimings in individual families and homes with people uh, losing their jobs, people having medical issues, people having even marital difficulties, just little things that came up, and a lot of them were overcomable. But it just seemed like the maturity of our organism, the maturity of our body, wasn't able to handle all of what was thrown at us this year. And that means the mirror was held up in front of us, and we're a little bit younger than we thought, or maybe than we hope. Yesterday I took my kids for a walk along the, uh, the Ellis Woods trail is that what that's called Mm -hmm. that park and we were traversing these logs across the creek and there were a lot of them that were pretty safe but maggie was going across one that was not quite as safe and you know shelby and i were like ooh, and i thought well we need to let her go and see how far she gets and in fact she started to fall now the water underneath was less than a foot deep lest you really worry but she started to fall and she kind of clung on to something and i had to go grab her and i have this sense that god allowed us to step out a little bit You know, there's a little bit of a a stepping out into something, and he's showing us where we're at, and we needed to learn this in this faith process. We're not as old as we hoped we we were. We're not as mature. We're not as capable, but that's okay. We're depending on him. And so this third question, what we would like to see, is we'd like to see God move and kind of intertwine us, weaving the tapestry of our church together and doing some things that I'm not going to put any practical steps on it, but just spiritually reconnecting the pieces of our church to each other so that faith is really possible for what God is calling us to. Because what he's calling us to is much larger than just being a church. 
we really think we have a mission beyond just the community. But the community part of it has to be there and the connections have to be there. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. One of the things we know about this project, we don't know all the details of who gave what, thank goodness. Um, you know, that's the, the, only the treasurer ever knows that stuff. But what we do know is that there was a lot of uh, significant donations made by a few people that, were, that really helped us get to the place where we did. That in general, this wasn't all of our church sacrificially giving or even like all of our church giving a, a fair amount. It was It was more a kind of thinly placed. Here's a person, here's a person who gave some money, that type of thing. And so one of the things that that indicates is, A, what Josh is saying, weren't necessarily all in together. And, you know, one of the things that, and I know it's a, it's a tough time economically, so that we recognize all of that. But there's also a sense at which we each uh, need to be in to the extent that we can be and that God's calling us to and be in as a team. And we also recognize that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so it's indicative that, that we, can, we can say this is, what, this is where we're at, but to actually invest into that to one degree or, or another is actually what reveals where we're at. And I believe that God's been really gracious to us in this way, that every step along the way with Parker Ford, he hasn't allowed us to grow numerically or programmatically or size of our building or any of those ways beyond where our faith is, you know? And it, it, he, one of the things that I love about this church, I, I absolutely love it, is that there is a missional nature in the mindset of most of the people of this church where we really want to touch the world beyond us. We believe that the power of the gospel in, in, in this book and in our church and in, this, in our lives is, a, is able to transform the world around us. And that's an awesome thing. Here's the, here's the catch, and I think this is what God is working on with us is that before we impart that to the world around us, we have to possess it. We have to realize it within ourselves. And it's not that we don't know the scripture at all or know the gospel, but we have to become more dependent ourselves before we ask others to come and be dependent with us. And so until, until that gets enlarged and, and, and integrated into our lives more and we grow in the dependence of it, the point of growing beyond is, is minimal unless we're willing to, to go deeper in our faith. God's growing our roots right now as far as how to become a church, how to become dependent Christians. And in the process of that, the deeper the roots go, the more willing he is to expand the tree, as it were. Um, so that's, that's really the, the third question. One, one of the things that's neat about that is, uh, unbeknownst to us, another one of those things that we didn't really plan. We didn't plan sanctity of life and having baby dedications and sending off the, the wangers. We didn't plan that worship Sunday independence and what was happening with our church. And another thing we didn't plan is we have a series that's starting next week, a teaching series that's going to be um, on uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You know how sometimes we try to cover like a whole book in five weeks or something? Uh, this time we're actually covering one verse in five weeks, so it's going the other way. And uh, we're going to be in Acts 2, 42. And all that is, is it describes the major elements of what the church was doing in, in its inception. When the church was first conceived, it was about the word, it was about fellowship, it was about the breaking of the bread, and it was about uh, prayer. It was really about dependence on God. And we believe that that's what God's growing us into, and I'm looking forward to the next few weeks kind of just asking God, what does this look like for us at Parker Ford right now? In the meantime, when it comes to the building project, like I said, the elders are going to be discerning when we'll re-engage that thought again. Um, and uh, as far as anybody who's been giving to that, you can give to that if you want. Um, that's fine. But that's not our focus right now. 
So you're not going to hear us promoting anything toward the building project. That's not what we're, we're focusing on right now. You won't be hearing the reporting from Garrett like you've been hearing. At the quarterly business meeting, there will be a report on that. But where we're at right now is focusing spiritually and, and communally on becoming more dependent on the Lord. Okay, so that's the answer to those questions. Now, um, I, I want to transition us. We're having communion this morning. And to transition us there, I just want to, I, I want to say this, that so we come up a little short. You know, my, my, uh, if my kid wants to be an astronaut, I could say, all right, well, then fly up into space. And he's like, well, I'm not quite there yet. Well, then go back to school, you know, and learn. And yet there, there's a reality check. And we fall short. Sometimes it's gross sin that we fall short in. Sometimes it's like we just, our faith hasn't quite grown yet. But at, at whatever stage, when we come up short, God doesn't just leave us sitting in that place. This is one of the things we discussed at the building, at the, uh, at the church board, was that what's so incredible about God is that he redeems in such a way that at the end, it looks like our failure was part of the plan the whole time, you know? And you can almost look back and excuse yourself for the failure because God's so good at redeeming, you know? That's the way it works. Like, for instance, in the Garden of Eden, we fell, right? And we blew it. And we didn't do things the way we should have. But when you look at the cross and you look at the resurrection and you look at the redemption, it's almost like God planned this thing. But did he plan for us to fail? He didn't want us to fail. And yet God's redemption is so good that when you look back, it's like, oh man, you know? And the Israelites, God didn't want them to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. They blew it when they were supposed to go in. But God redeemed it and it was awesome. And you watch the walls of Jericho fall down when they go in, you know, and it's incredible. And Peter, he wasn't supposed to... I, I want to say this one last thing about Peter. And I, I think this really speaks to where we're at. Is that, you know, Peter, after he denied Christ and his faith... You know, he was trying to save Jesus at the end and, and not get killed along with Jesus. And so he denies Christ three times right before Christ dies like Jesus said he would. And it's this moment where his faith wasn't there, you know? He didn't have enough faith to just hang in there. And he fell short. And when Jesus resurrects and he comes back and he finds Peter at the lake and they're eating fish together, you remember what he says to Peter? He says, Peter, do you love me? And the word love that he uses is the word agape, which is that deep self-sacrificial love. He says, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. But when he said love, he said phileo. That's like brotherly love, you know? Like, you know I really like you, you know? And then Jesus asks again, yeah, but do you agape me? Do you sacrificially love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I like you. You know I really, really like love you like a brother. And then the last time, this is what Jesus says. He says, okay, Peter, do you actually love me like a brother? Do you phileo me? And he changes the question. And what Peter says in that moment is he says, he's just brokenhearted. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you like that. I may not love you quite the way that I'm supposed to. You know, all the way agape, self-sacrificial. I might not be where I'm supposed to be, but you know that my heart is for you, God. You know I'm there on that level. And what does Jesus say? Then he says, then go and feed my sheep. Go and feed my sheep. Go do what you're supposed to do. It's all good, Peter. And then he says this wonderful line. He says, right now, you go where you want to go and you do what you want to do. But by the end of your life, you won't put on your own clothes. Your arms will be stretched out 
for you and you will be guided around by a chain. And it says that he said this to indicate what kind of death he would die, the martyr's death. And what he's saying is, Peter, right now, you function in independence. And to a degree, you love me, you know? But as you learn to trust me more, at some point, life is going to be out of your control. They're going to nail you to a cross upside down or whatever it is they did to Peter, you know? And on that day, you will grow more dependent on me. You will learn to trust me more. And it was the big promise. He meets us where we're at. He doesn't shame us. He doesn't shame Peter for sinking in the water when he loses faith. He doesn't shame Peter because he denied him three times. He lets Peter recognize, I'm not quite where I thought I was. And then he says, but I got you and I love you and I'm going to get you there. You know? And that's what he says to us. He says, it's great. You had faith. You're doing good things. Bravo. You're not don't get a big head or anything and we've got to push pause because you're not quite where you need to be as a body and as individuals and everything, but it's all good. I got you. I love you. We're going to do this thing if you learn to trust me. So Wednesday night was the, was the church board meeting and they told us that we were supposed to share about this. Josh and I, they asked us to share. And the next morning I got up and I read for our kids. This, um, we have this devotional that we use at, on, around the breakfast table before the kids go to school. And this devotional in particular is one that Josh and Shelby just gave us, gave our kids for Christmas. And um, this was what it said the next day. And I, I just loved it. It was awesome. It fit. So I'm going to read it to you as we transition into communion. January 5th, uh, it was winning my way. And uh, the, the verse was 2 Corinthians 5-7, which is one that my kids have memorized anyway, so it was really cool. They say, but we live by faith, not by what we see. 2 Corinthians 5-7. What does it mean to win? Your friends and maybe some grown-ups may say that winning means never messing up, never failing. It is being the best, better than anyone else, and being in total control. That is how this world sees winning. But I have another definition. Winning for all of eternity is about letting me have total control. It is about admitting that you need me and then trusting me to lead you. Don't just ask me to bless what you have already decided to do. Ask me what I want for you. May I, f I may fill your heart with a dream that seems impossible, far beyond your reach. And that dream will be bigger than anything you can do on your own. But remember, nothing is beyond my reach. Yes, you will mess up sometimes and you will make mistakes. But when you depend on me, I will use your mistakes to grow your faith and help you to win my way. It's good stuff, isn't it? It's good stuff. God is helping us to win as a congregation. And God is helping us to win as followers of him. And sometimes he does it through the way we're depending on him. And sometimes he does it despite the way that we're not depending on him. Either way, he's going to win. And we ask and pray that he will teach us more to depend on him. And in communion, we remember our need, the deepest level of need that we have, that when it comes to the grace of his salvation, we desperately need him. When it comes to our connection to him, we desperately need him, and we need him no more place than we need him when he's on a cross and rising from the dead. So Dave's going to come and lead us through our communions.